Well, good morning, Mosaic. Guys doing all right? Good, good. Well, you ought to be because it's an exciting time. Uh, so it's the, it's the end of November, which means it's almost the beginning of December. And December is a special month in every single year. Why? Because we celebrate a month of Christmas. If you have not been around Mosaic for a long time, you are about to discover that we take Christmas very seriously around here for the entire month because uh, it is the opportunity each year for us to set our hearts and set our minds on the extraordinary reality that God bothered to come and rescue us. Like we were dead. We were dead and we needed rescuing and he could have left us for dead but he bothered to come and rescue us. And the entire month of December, we're going to celebrate that because that's what we do. Because we should celebrate that every single day that we have breath. And December gives us an amplified version of that celebration. And so we love Christmas around here. And we're going to be walking into Christmas. And so I'm super excited. But today, we are not walking into Christmas quite yet because it's not quite December yet. But we are walking into something today that is as exciting as walking into the month that is going to come because it is something else that matters a great deal to us here at Mosaic. We are going to be talking today about how we as a collective and how we as individuals within this collective engage in shaping and changing the world for the glory of God and the expansion of his kingdom in the global arena. So this is our global missions gathering. This is where we get to talk about how we engage in global missions around here. Now you might say, it seems a little bit of an odd Sunday in the middle of all the festivities to like throw in global missions week. Uh, and you're like, what just happened? But it's not odd at all. It actually fits absolutely perfectly right here. And here's why. Because there is a context in which we find ourselves that makes this weekend perfect for us to engage in some thought in what it means to participate with God in redeeming this world and bringing redemption to unredeemed spaces. First of all, we are in the book of Philippians, right? And in the book of Philippians, in the early parts, Paul is all about unpacking with us the reality of our partnership in the gospel that we get to participate in, uh, taking the gospel in both its experience, its demonstration, and its proclamation for an eternal transformation out into the world. And Paul's been talking to the church in Philippi like, man, I'm so excited that we're partnering in this gospel endeavor to carry the gospel into the world. And in our most recent moment in the book of Philippians, we found ourselves in that passage where Paul said, hey, whether in my absence or when I come, I want you to live a life worthy of the gospel, worthy of what you've been recipients of, worthy of what you are called to participate in, because this is our life now. And so we are right in a context where we're basically asking the question, what does it look like for us to engage in a life that if Paul were to show up here, he would go, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm saying. This people in this church 
they are living a life actively engaged in carrying the gospel. That's what we want to do. So this seems to fit, doesn't it? That we would engage in changing the world. Then we just came out of Thanksgiving. I mean, Thanksgiving. We just came out of it. What is Thanksgiving all about? No, it's not about Cyber Monday. FYI. It's not the precursor for Black Friday. It's not like the, the, the little clue you get that it's time to shop. That's an American insanity. It's actually a day set apart for us to step back, look at what we have available to us, what has been given to us, and to just go, thank you, thank you. So first of all, just so we're clear, we have been rescued by the great and wondrous redemptive work of Jesus, and we have eternal life that makes us temporal life, something that is a vapor uh, that does not matter in its relation to the eternity of life we have waiting for us, right? So if the rest of your life is miserable, that's still enough to be really thankful for. But we have so much more beyond even that. You have access to resources even when you don't have resources. Did you know that most countries in the world, when they're broke, they're actually broke? They don't have credit cards and other things to tap into. I'm not suggesting use credit cards. Just FYI, don't tweet that. I'm saying we live in a world where we don't even know what it means to run out. We don't know what it means to run out of food, to run out of resources, to run out of things. We have a version of it. Oh no, I'm out of money. But we live in a country that we can go and find what we need if we need it. It's crazy what we have. And Thanksgiving says, look, look at what's been given you. You have more than most of the planet in all generations until now. And then we're walking into Christmas. Christmas. That is the season that bends our hearts and minds toward this reality. That he came to rescue us and set everything up so that we would have an eternal destiny of life, light, and freedom. Instead of an eternal destiny of darkness and separation and death. So we're standing between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I think as we look at those two worlds about what it means to be recipients of incredible things, what a perfect space to take a minute and say, God, what do we get to participate in considering what we have available to us? And that's why we're doing global missions gathering right here. Right before we've already, I I just know you've already looked at the ads, haven't you? I mean, you, you know what TV is available tomorrow, Cyber Monday, done. You already rolled out a bit. So we are in the middle of this crazy collision of so much waiting to be taken and had, so much to be thankful for, so much coming to be thankful for. And let's pause and say, let's get involved in what Paul would say is a partnership in the gospel to carry it out. When Jesus came to this planet, he came to rescue us. And one of the profound things that began to develop as he came to rescue us is that as he entered into a Jewish culture and a Jewish context where the people of God had been without the spirit of God and Jesus having already redeemed them, not without the spirit of God in terms of like that he was not present at all. He would come upon leaders and people, but he didn't have it like we do, that you, you receive the spirit as a seal and an empowerment when you come to know Jesus. So the people collectively did not have this power available to them in the way that we do. And so what God did with them is he said to the people of Israel, 
the rest of the world, the other nations, their behaviors, their realities, their philosophies, their things, if you go participate in those things, if you engage with them, then you will be infected by those philosophies and processes and realities because you have sinned, they have sinned, and you will be empowered and overpowered by that. So the way to keep yourself as a nation that demonstrates that you follow God, is actually to be protective from the other people. And so we create this world of the clean and the unclean, right? There are unclean places, unclean people, unclean things, and you stay away from them because if you encounter them, they infect you with whatever the unclean is. So you stayed away from the disease, the, the sinners, the, the places, the other nations, and then Jesus showed up on the scene. And he begins to do his ministry, and his disciples are following him. And what does he begin to do? Every unclean place he finds, what does he do? Does he run from it, hide from it? No, no, he rolls right on in. Oh, look at some lepers. Hey, guys. Oh, look, it's a prostitute. Hey, let's chat. Oh, look, it's a tax collector. Let's go. And the disciples go read the New Testament. They're constantly, like, afraid. What are you doing? If you touch him, it's over. He goes to Decapolis, the beaches of Decapolis. That's where he gets the demon-possessed guy. I mean, a double unclean, right? He goes to Samaria. He goes to Philippi. Everywhere that you don't go. But what happens that is profound, that changes everything, is that wherever Jesus goes, instead of him being infected by what is unclean or dark or sinful, He empowers, uh, he being empowered as God, infects what is unredeemed, broken, dark, and dead with life, light, and freedom. It's like he reverses the process. And during the time on the planet, Jesus keeps telling his disciples, come with me, we're going to go to all these places, I'm going to do these crazy, cool, incredible, unbelievable, powerful, redeeming things, then I'm going to empower you to do them with me, then when I leave, I'm going to send you out to do them all by yourself, empowered by my spirit, so that you can overcome what is unredeemed and redeem it. We see this throughout the story of scripture, right? Uh, Jesus, when he was on the planet, he would say things like, man, listen, remember in Luke chapter 10? The, the harvest is plentiful. And there's so much unredeemed stuff on this planet to do, you won't run out. How fun is that? It's so broken, you could spend the rest of your life redeeming stuff and there'll be more to redeem. The harvest is plentiful, but what is lacking? Laborers. Laborers to engage in the harvest. Jesus, in, in the book of John, he says the same thing to them. In John chapter 20, verse 21, he says, Peace be to you. As the Father has sent me to enter the world and redeem, I now send you. You see the paradigm shift? Don't hide. Don't disengage. Don't stay away. Engage. Get in. Go into the world. All of the world. Every dark and unclean space. And bring the power of God and the power of the gospel there and see it redeemed. Jesus came. He went into the world. He suffered. Paid a high price for our redemption. And then he sent us to go and do the same. So what should we expect? We go, we are going to pay a price for being redemptive, and we are going to be the hands and feet and power and life of Jesus. Instead of being infected by the world, we infect the world with life, light, and freedom. This is why we do what we do. It is our only option. And so here at Mosaic Church, the option we have 
is to kind of figure out how we're going to do that in our particular context. You see, we're not supposed to be a church that says, let our church find our church's mission. We're supposed to be a church that says, what is Jesus's mission and how do we join it? You understand what I'm saying? So our part is to say, if his mission is X, to go into the world, find the broken, unredeemed spaces and redeem them with both gospel uh, demonstration, uh, justice and mercy actions, and gospel proclamation, declaration, sharing the actual gospel of Jesus so that people don't just have temporal experiences of well-being, but eternal experiences of well-being, right? We want to go do that. The only question becomes, as we go on the mission of Jesus, how do we accomplish that with the particular context in which we live? So here's how Mosaic has been doing this. Mosaic being the collective us, our collective experience, our collective influence, our collective resources, our collective gifts and talents, our collective abilities. We get to engage those collectively into a global environment to see redemption take place. Here's how we've done it. We have been developing over the years, very carefully, global partnerships with church planters who are planting churches, with uh, people that run nonprofits that work in the justice and mercy arenas. In other words, they engage in places to bring about justice, things like abolishing human trafficking. That's an injustice, correct? We want to see that abolished, correct? Justice work or mercy work. This community has no fresh water, has no education, has no fill in the blank. We want to bring it to them. We want to bring them what they need, mercy work. So we find partners that are engaged in those, that those partners are, whether they're church planters, they're also involved in justice and mercy work, and whether they're nonprofits, they're also involved in gospel proclamation. So in other words, all of our global partners, no matter where they land, are both demonstrating the gospel and declaring the gospel so that it is not one or the other. It is always both. So it has taken us years to vet each one of these incredible partners and to get engaged with them. We currently have 50 global partners that we work with that have come through years of work. And those 50 global partners exist in the U.S. They exist in Europe. They exist in Africa. They exist in South America, Latin America. They exist in Asia. They're all over the planet, and we are engaged with them. And so as we looked forward into 2022 and beyond for the next 10 years, asking the question, what is it going to look like for us to continue to engage in this great work? We have begun to shape the strategy for movement forward. Because currently, if you are part of this church and you engage here in your tithes and your offerings, then you are a participant in this great global work of 50 partnerships. Because a bunch of our resources go out collectively to those partnerships. So you are, in some ways engaged in that because you're part of the collective and you are participating in tithing. But what we want to do is drive this from that being the primary experience to it being a dual experience where you're part of the collective because of that, but you also have the opportunity to engage very personally in some spaces with our global partners. So we had an option. If we're going to do this, if we're going to equip our church to be engaged at a high level in our global partnerships, do we 
double our partnerships. We go from 50 to 100. We spend the next five years finding 50 more global partners in a bunch of other cities and towns and places. Or do we divert our attention to focus on a few that we already have? Not undoing all that we have. We want to keep our 50 global partners and move forward with them. But do we begin to drive and drill deeper with a few of them and then expand that over time? So that as we've spent the last number of years getting broad, not lacking depth, but getting broad, now we want to really start drilling down, right? So here's what we're going to do. We want to drill down by making sure we're equipping and we're sending and we're supporting the global partners that we currently have and as we expand into other spaces, missionaries, church planters, and people. But we specifically want to begin to equip and, and send and support people into some narrow regions. And so what we decided to do is to take three countries and focus our energy on those three countries over the next five years and 10 years to invest deeply into them, continuing to work with our 50 global partners, but investing highly in these three countries, taking those countries from having maybe one or two or three partnerships to expanding to multiple partnerships, church plants and other things within that country. Those three countries that we have chosen, we have long history with. We didn't just go, oh, that's a neat country, never heard of it. No, we, we went, okay, where do we have depth and history and relationship? Where do we have vision for what God is calling us into in these nations? And three countries kind of bubbled to the surface. Ethiopia, a country we have long history with, and we are deeply embedded with, and we are deeply passionate about. South Africa, where we have long history and we are deeply embedded and very passionate about the future of that nation. And Guatemala in Central America and Latin America, deeply passionate and deeply embedded. Part of our reason for being involved in each of these countries is because as we start with those countries, we see them over the next five to 10 years to become a regional space to move further than just the country. If we start in Guatemala and we expand out of Guatemala, eventually Central America and eventually Latin America as a whole. When we start in Southern Africa, we move our way up the continent of Africa and eventually all of Southern Africa bleeds out from South Africa. While up in, North, in Central Africa, Ethiopia bleeds down and bleeds up. And before you know it, 20, 30, 40 years from now, we are having an influence on the entire continent of Africa and all of the continent of Latin America. That's the dream. But it starts with a single focus in these three countries. And then as we take these three countries and we begin to ask the question, how will we, as we as a collective, invest in these countries to see more partnerships and more church plants involved in these countries? How do we equip you all to be more participatory in this endeavor, not just because you're part of Mosaic, but because you're deeply engaged in these three spaces? And here's what we're going to do. There are three particular ways that we want to develop over the next one to five years to give you room to participate as an individual or as a family. The first is that we want to create opportunity for your resources, not just to flow through Mosaic as part of your tithe to this great reality, but more specifically as some specific focal points for you as a family or an individual to say, I am engaged in sponsoring this particular ministry, this particular partner, this particular reality. So we call those sponsorships. 
You take some of your resources and you apply them to sponsoring a child, a young adult, an adult, a community. There's multiple options. Then the second endeavor is beyond sponsorships. We want everyone here to be part of what we call um, global impact teams. And global impact teams are like wraparound care for partners around the world. Like we have an adoptive or fostering family that has some people around them to care for them. We want to establish global impact teams. And we want to invite you over the next while to consider joining some of those where you send care packages, FaceTime, and engage with our partners around the world, hearing from them and being a safe place for them. And then finally, we want to actually get a bunch of you to get on these things called airplanes and fly to these crazy countries to actually go get on the ground and see what it's like to be able to engage your gifts, talents, abilities, and things into serving these global partners. We want you to go on trips. And so we are going to spend the next few years developing those three areas extensively for you as you seek ways to be engaged. Today, we get to start with the one that is the easiest. It requires, oddly enough, the least of what you have. It just requires those little resources you have. We have a dollar sign in front of them, but they're really just little individual resources, and they're yours to spend on Cyber Monday and on Black Friday and on important things that provide and on generosity. And so what we want to do is we want to start today saying there's opportunity to get involved in these three countries right now, right here through sponsorships. You don't have to get on a plane next week. You don't have to join a team next week. You just have to pray through what it looks like to become a part of the story. So in our three countries, we have six current partners. And these six current partners all work uniquely with vulnerable children or vulnerable adults to be able to affect incredible things in their lives so that they become non-vulnerable children and non-vulnerable adults and begin to affect their community in a beautiful and positive way. And that's what we want to get behind financially. So here are the three countries and the partnerships in which we are engaged. The first country um, is Ethiopia. And in Ethiopia, we have three partnerships that work with sponsoring children. What it means by sponsoring children is they engage uh, in working with children that are vulnerable in serving them. The first organization that we have, which you'll see up on the slide, um, is uh, uh, in, in central Ethiopia. And this organization is incredible. What this organization does is they focus on creating sort of a forever family uh, for orphans space by caring for and training Ethiopian people in their region to come alongside these homes and functionally design a holistic family experience so that it is not a group home where you have a group person doing your thing, but it feels more like a family unit and functions like a family unit. What's beautiful about this particular organization is that they find women that are widowed that have lost in some way some of that experience of purpose, and they train them up to engage in caring for the orphans so that a family unit occurs. Does this sound familiar to any of you? Somewhere in James, I feel like he might have written something about this. Uh, hey, folks, if you want to know what God really, 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 really cares about, take care of the orphans and the widows. What? 
You can't possibly do that at exactly the same time through exactly the same thing. Oh, yes, you can. And they're doing it right there. And so when we sponsor uh, a child in this program or sponsor some of the work in this program, then what ends up beginning to happen is we are deeply involved in caring for orphans and widows. That's right. The next organization in Ethiopia works in central southern Ethiopia, Children's Hope Chest. And Children's Hope Chest is is child-focused in terms of the community. So you'll see how each of these do it slightly differently, but all do the same thing. They're looking at a whole community and saying, we want to go choose a community where children are vulnerable because of realities within that community. And then we want to change those realities so that that community becomes a safe place for the children in it. Isn't that beautiful? So if we can create a safe community, then we stop having vulnerable children, not by pulling them out of their community, but by transforming their community. Does that sound like something you might want to be part of? Seeing communities all over the world transformed so that children aren't vulnerable because their communities are safe. That would be incredible. And we get to participate in that in this particular organization. Then the third organization in Ethiopia is called Operation Rescue. And Operation Rescue works with vulnerable children that are out on the streets and they bring them into care centers and they pour the gospel into them. They bring dignity to their lives, value to their lives, remind them that they matter because in an environment like they live, they often forget that they matter. They're just humans running on a street bothering others. And this place comes along and says, that is not true. You are deeply and wonderfully and fearfully made by God for great purpose, and we want to see that realized. And then they take care of their holistic needs, feeding them, educating them, caring for them so that they become adults that are ultimately changing the cycle of poverty in which they find themselves as children. That is our Ethiopian partnerships and those three organizations. The second place we partner uh, with is in Guatemala, and we have two partners there. The first is Fundaninos. We work with Fundaninos there, and they do a care center for abused and abandoned children. In Guatemala, uh, so many of the kids that are abandoned end up being abused, and then they come into this care center, and this care center gives them a safe environment in which they hear the gospel, experience the gospel, and grow in their emotional and spiritual well-being. They protect them. And one of the things I love about Fundaninos is they work diligently to keep sibling groups together. Oftentimes, when you have the foster and adoption world, you have a dysfunctional family situation that produces ongoing siblings. You with me? So you encounter a child that needs a home and you find out that there are multiple siblings. It is very rare for anyone to be able to engage in bringing multiple siblings into their home as a group. Three, four, five, six. So what often happens is sibling groups are scattered. This organization works diligently to keep the siblings together so that they can grow up with that unique and embedded safe place that says this person born from the same person I was gives me a semblance of safety in a very unsafe world. It is a beautiful work that they do, and we have been behind them for a long time. And then we have Prince of Peace in Guatemala, and Prince of Peace also works diligently, specifically with a, a group home for girls. When girls in some of these environments find themselves on the street at a young age and they're vulnerable, they have a unique vulnerability. 
because we are in environments where they are taken advantage of. Not to say that boys are not taken advantage of and don't experience terrible things. They absolutely do. But girls have a particular vulnerability because they are sought out uh, over and over again. And what happens here at Prince of Peace is they create a safe place for abused and abandoned young women, neglected girls, where they can enter into the foster system and they can find themselves in an environment of healing from trauma. So all of these spaces in Guatemala and Ethiopia work directly with children that are vulnerable in their healing journey so that as they grow into adults, they grow into healthy adults who know and love Jesus and can bring about a healthy family unit to change generations into the future. And we get to get behind these by stepping into one thing, that's sponsorship among others. Then finally, we have South Africa. In South Africa, we have the Hope Africa Collective. And the Hope Africa Collective works with young adults. And what I love about what Hope Africa Collective does is they take these young adults out of these townships or poverty-infested areas where they have very little skill to be able to produce anything, to produce um, provision for them and their families. And they bring them out. They determine within their community what skill sets are required. And then they train them in those skill sets so that, again, they don't pull them out of their community to create safe space. They empower them to be changers within their community so that the whole community eventually changes. They also have a Bible school for a year where they are training up church planters within the community out of people coming from that community so that they can simultaneously see churches planted that are healthy and moms and dads engaged in their community to be able to provide for their family so that their children aren't vulnerable. Now you might say, this one doesn't have the cute children that are vulnerable and I like sponsoring those. And that's wonderful. We have hundreds of those in the other organizations. But don't be too sure that you are not caring for vulnerable children by sponsoring young adults because... The reason those other children are vulnerable is because their parents were not healthy. Their parents did not have the ability to provide. Their parents were not able to do these things. If they had parents that had provision and were healthy emotionally and stable and knew Jesus, they wouldn't need our rescuing, would they? They would already not be vulnerable children. Would you rather wait for a child to be abused, neglected, and vulnerable than to rescue them or create a world where they will never be abused, vulnerable, or neglected? I want to start there, and I want to do this. And here, what we get to do is invest in people that will raise families with children that aren't vulnerable because they'll be safe families. Many of the young adults in here already have kids, so we are serving their children by serving them, and those that don't will, and we are serving their future children by serving them. So here are six organizations in three countries that are beginning, beginning to become our focal point to have you engage in these spaces and become a part of creating change and life change in these spaces. And as we do that, we will then begin to see the wonder of our participation with our resources beginning to drive redemption in spaces that we have been sent into by the one who went into those spaces on our behalf for us. Remember, we don't do this because the children need us and that's our big win. They do need us and we should do it because of that. But we do this because our master, our savior, our God, our leader 
came to this planet and did this so that we would have life. And we are now the recipients of life, and we are called to be participants in giving life by taking our resources, our abilities, our time, and our energy, and investing it in redemptive realities on his behalf, for his glory and his kingdom. And so that's what we want to do. We as a church are going to work together over the next few months and years to learn to be personally deeply involved in shaping and changing the world while we corporately do it together just because we've got resources that when they are collected, there's a lot of them and we can change the world with them. And so today begins our journey into the individual space of engaging with people face to face. When Jesus walked on this planet, what I love most is that he was at work in the big picture, right? Saving the human race from eternal death. You're with me so far. Anybody disagree? No, I don't think so. That's what he's doing. But you know what else he did simultaneously? He'd walk into one town, meet one person, and profoundly change their life. And when we read the scripture, what moves us to understand the depths of his love for our eternal life is the encounters with humans that were one person at a time that he encountered right here on planet earth. The woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, the blind man, the leper, the, the, the centurion whose child was sick. These are actual people that Jesus actually encountered. And it seemed that his way was, I shape eternity by bringing the gospel to you and being the gospel for you. And I shape your right here today life by showing up in your town. So we should do the same, shouldn't we? Proclaim the gospel so people's eternity is forever shaped and show up in their actual town and take care of their actual needs so that they experience the gospel right there. So that one day they are changed because we showed up.